and welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio, a bi-weekly podcast devoted to examining successful marketing strategies driving new business development at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I am joined by attorney Tanya Pohl. After practicing for years as a litigator in a large multinational AmLaw 100 firm and a prestigious medium-sized New York firm, Tanya started her own firm with a primary focus on digital media services, particularly social media. She offers risk assessment audits, customized digital media policies, and personalized training on best practices for corporate digital media use. Tanya, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. Thank you. Great to be here. So let's just start. I know you wanted to give a a quick disclaimer. Do you want to... Go ahead and do that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, So just that this is not legal advice, and this is for general information purposes only. Uh, Super. It's the same same disclaimers at the bottom of your website, I think, right? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So tell me about leaving the bigger firms and starting out on your own. What led to that decision? And uh, how did you start the process of forming your own firm? Absolutely. Uh, So I was a litigation associate uh, focusing on intellectual property at my last firm. And I was in court one day and the case involved social media and intellectual property law. And it hit me that there was a real need to advise businesses on the laws that affect them on social media, intellectual property laws and advertising laws. In going out on your own, how clear was your business plan? And how clear was your marketing plan? So from the moment that it hit me that this was a good idea, it took, I'd say, several months for me to make that into fruition before I even started out on my own. And during that time, I had to think about all the basics, forming my own professional LLC, thinking about what services I would offer, thinking about how I would make it a viable business. And once I started out on my own, every all the plans... Uh, just sort of went up in the air. And then I started getting swayed by advice from other people, certainly very well-meaning advice, but it did sway me in all sorts of different directions away from my original plan. So one of the, so some advice I got very, very early on was, oh, you can't just do social media law. You have to do 10 different things. Otherwise you'll never make a living. Any other challenges uh, as you were starting out aside from the well-meaning advice? I mean, I know it's probably the same challenge as any small business faces. Exactly, exactly. One of the biggest challenges of going out on your own is that you go from having a support network of very qualified individuals who know about the computer system, about accounting, about tracking down clients or paying the bills, go from having all of that support to becoming your own IT department, your own secretary, your own HR, your own everything. Any any job that you can possibly imagine, even if you would think you don't, you wouldn't need it, somehow it, it ends up that you take on all of those multitude of, of roles. I mean, I think a big part of starting any firm uh, or any business for that matter is defining your services, defining what you're going to provide and the people that need those services. It sounds like you had a very clear idea of what you were going to do. Was finding that very defined niche just that epiphany or was it a sort of a longer drawn out process or was it really in that moment in the courtroom where you were like, oh, this is, this is needed and I can provide it? I'd say that it was a long drawn out process. Uh, 
to the epiphany, if that makes sense. Uh, it was months and months, maybe even years of research of sort of living, breathing the case and realizing that this is something that is necessary. And then that was sort of step one, realizing this is something that's necessary. Step two was realizing that I want to be the person, I want to be the attorney who provides it. And then maybe step three was figuring out how am I going to do that? What's the best way for me personally to do that? And that did that led me to the decision to, to go out on my own. But it definitely was a decision that I made in in stages. And then, you know, like I mentioned earlier, best laid plans once you actually pull that trigger and you do it, it it ends up, the real world ends up being very different than the theoretical one. I feel like your practice is focused on a very small subset of a larger practice. Yes. In that essentially what you're doing is IP for a very limited sort of scope. Mm -hmm. Are there any aspects of social media or digital media law that are separate from IP issues? You're correct. It's really a subset of IP, of intellectual property law. There are some other areas of the law that do get in there. For instance, anytime a business has employees, a lot of businesses, when they're doing their social media policies that are geared from the IP perspective, from the perspective of avoiding infringement on others' intellectual property, avoiding copyright infringement, trademark infringement, false endorsement, they're also, there's also that need to train their employees. And then when you start talking about limiting what employees can and cannot post online, you're also coming up against employment law considerations as well. Uh, so I'd say employment law also factors in. Intellectual property is definitely the major component, but then you have some employment law as well. And then you also have um, some advertising law, which does overlap quite a bit with intellectual property, but there are some own uh, particularities too when you've got the uh, Federal Trade Commission uh, coming, in, coming into play and then uh, various state regulatory agencies as well. Is the difference primarily just one of, of optics of how you market and how you define it? Or is that simply sort of a, a nice bonus to focusing your firm in this way? It really is sort of both. There's a there's a heavy component that is optics. Uh, certainly, it is a subset of intellectual property. And there are lots of sort of subsets of intellectual property that sort of butt up against other areas of the law. I think that's kind of inevitable with 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 the way the, the law is. <laughs> Nothing stays in its own little contained unit. Uh, certainly, um, you know, certainly I, that's been that's been my experience. With that said, I, I do think that there are some unique aspects with social media, especially how that overlaps with employment law in a way that maybe traditional advertising, advertising in traditional mediums didn't always. Have you formed any partnerships to help deal with those aspects of overlap? I mean, do you do, unless, do, you do employment law when it overlaps or do you bring someone in who, who does that and specializes in that kind of thing? So I do some employment law. I do have some employment law experience. And f as it relates to social media, uh, that is something that I, I handle. It's more that I happily refer the other types of employment questions, the employee harassment cases, discrimination cases, anything like that, um, or traditional employment law. That's where I happily reach into my referral network and uh, make the introductions there. I mean, I know we talked about this already, but I'm curious, as you were 
starting the firm after you'd had the epiphany did you did you get any did you reach out to anyone for help in in crafting a marketing strategy around this niche or did you kind of do all of this yourself so this is actually me and my my now husband uh we especially him i'll give him credit for this spent a lot of time with marketing marketing books marketing coursework and really self study and he's now also developed a side passion uh for marketing for me it was more about the task more about studying to reach the goal not not so much the the true passion of of marketing and of course asking people who've already done it, asking other attorneys, even asking other small business owners what their marketing strategy was. So so asking them for advice. So we were talking last week at a, a networking event at a talk actually by Vic Rajan, who has been on the podcast. And, you know, we were talking about how talking about social media law makes you more memorable than just talking about IP um, and how means that someone has a specific issue and they're going to know to come to you versus thinking, oh, she does IP. I wonder if she does social media. What I noticed as I was doing sort of the background for the for the interview was that on your website, you call it digital media. Every time we talk, it's always social media, but on the web, it's digital media. I'm just curious how you define the service and why you use different words in different, different outlets. Well, that's a good catch. That's a good pickup. Uh, so that's I think your your instinct for why I do that is, is correct. I found that in terms of marketing, in terms of explaining to people what I do, social media law gets more of a response. It gets more of a, oh, that's interesting, or oh, I've never heard of anybody who does that. It's something that is in more everyday vocabulary than digital media. To be correct, though, what I do is digital media, because as I conceptualize it, digital media is social media and your website, and what you do online as a whole. Social media, I think of as just the the platforms, the interaction. To be technical about it, I wouldn't think that that includes the business website. But from talking to people, I I, ri- I started out by saying, "Oh, I do digital media services," and you know, at some point, I. You know, people who were, of course, know the technology, were interested and knew what that meant. But a lot of other people, including my prospective clients, would, you know, for the most part go, oh, like, and then you get any kind of response from, oh, like a digital camera to really anything you could imagine. So it's really a matter of focusing people's attention on something that's understandable. Exactly. Exactly. Like something that they use in their everyday lives. I mean, everybody is on their phone these days checking their various feeds. Uh, so it's putting it in terms that they can relate to and to focus them in on that. And they usually sort of in the back of their own mind are also kind of lumping their website in with that anyway. Is there any danger or do you worry at all that it makes it sort of consumer focused rather than business focused? Or are a lot of businesses using social media for their marketing that they go, oh, I need to think about this and I need help with this? So that's definitely a concern. That's definitely a concern. One of the things that I've noticed, especially when you're talking about smaller to even medium-sized businesses, they still very much are in the same mindset as a consumer. They still think of social media very much in the same way. From a legal point of view, that can actually get them into some kind into trouble because there's a lot more leeway uh, for a number of reasons with personal uh, social media activity than there is for business social media activity. Uh, so I've I've found that in some ways thinking of them almost as consumers is helpful. For that for that matter, with larger businesses, many of them 
are so focused on their consumer anyway, on their clients anyway, that they're also still in that mindset. But it is definitely something that I that I struggle with. And it's it's one of the th- areas that I'm working on to keep two sets of vocabulary <laughs> for different audiences. You'd mentioned earlier that leaving the support staff was sort of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest challenges of, of going out on your own. I'm curious, given that now you are your own resource and you are your time is finite, what channels do you use to put that that marketing message out there? What you know are, are you using social media, or are you sort of using sort of more real life social interactions, SEO, SEM? What are you doing to bring people into you so that they see that that messaging? So that's a that's a great question, and actually very counterintuitively, I've done my marketing strategy almost from the reverse. So I'm a big believer in in person relationship building. It's how we met. I think that that's fundamentally the most important part of networking. It's building relationships with people who know and trust you. And then when the need arises, make referrals. Uh, So I'm very active in terms of building relationships with other professionals, marketing professionals, HR professionals, and especially other lawyers, because we are each other's greatest resources. And one of the great things about being so focused on just one subset of intellectual property law, really, is that I can make a whole lot of referrals to other attorneys because I don't do what they do. Do you find that having this very clear focus in what you do makes it easier to talk about what you do and to kind of create messaging around it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it does. One of the things I've found from from building relationships, from talking to other professionals, is most other professionals think what lawyers do is fairly boring. So one of the advantages on focusing on social media is it's something that everybody can relate to and most people find interesting. And I've got some good, you know, war stories to tell. Something that I always think is interesting, uh, especially attorneys who have very particular focuses in their practice, is sort of exploring how they view their role as an attorney. I'm curious how you see your role as an attorney, particularly given that you work in a space that is constantly shifting, shall we say? So how do you view your your role as an attorney and how do you view your responsibility to your clients given how you see your role? So I definitely view my role as an educator and as an advisor. What I do is focused on prevention. So I'm offering trainings for employees who post on behalf of the business. I'm writing social media policies. All of that is geared towards educating about intellectual property and advertising laws and helping the business to stay out of trouble, to reduce the risk that they'll have to call a litigator to represent them in in, in a lawsuit. So my role is is an advisor and is preventative. And one of the challenges of prevention comes in with the education. You have to explain what the risk is, what potential dangers are out there so that you demonstrate your your own worth. Given that the the technology that you're advising on is changing so much, how much self-education is there that you have to do to keep on top of these waves of technological change? A lot (laughs) is the simple answer. A lot. Uh, I take CLEs continuing legal education classes on a regular basis. I'm constantly reading whether it's treatises, whether it's law review articles, whether it's even in just the mass media. I'm constantly out there looking what are the new cases that are out there? What are the new intellectual property cases that are out there that touch this area of the law? 
uh, what are what are sort of the the luminaries in the field? What are they saying about it? Law schools, what do they think about it? I constantly update myself on what's going on and what the potential legal implications are. Given again the pace of change in the field, do you see any risks in having so specifically focused your practice on this area, or do you see that constant shift as being sort of mitigating the risk itself? I think it's the latter. I think the constant change mitigates the risk itself. If I focused specifically on one social media platform, there would definitely be a risk uh, because we we all know that platforms come and go. The dominant one in 2006, I believe, is really no longer really a factor now. Uh, so that's definitely that definitely is a concern. But the way I focus more on on digital media really as a whole, that even if the entire concept of social media disappeared, I would be on, or my goal is to be on the next wave of the technological innovation. Right. Digital's not going anywhere. I don't think so. (laughs) You never know, but I don't think so. (laughs) So as we come to a close here, not naming clients or anything or any necessarily specifics, but what are some of the more interesting kind of issues you're working on right now? And what, you know, what would you like to see coming in, in the door? That's a good question. What I'm seeing a lot of with social media, with the pressure to stay relevant, to stay in the conversation, I'm seeing a lot more need for policies and training in place so that people can interact with their clients, with their customers in real time, as opposed to sort of getting approval for every single thing, or for that matter, using social media more like press releases where they're saying something along the lines of new product coming soon, or check back on Valentine's Day for a special offer. Of course, you're still seeing that, but you're also seeing more of responding in real time to customer interactions. So customer complaints are, of course, one big area of concern for businesses in real time and social media, but in general on websites that aggregate customer reviews. There's, I've seen a lot of concern about what do you do about negative feedback? And of course, the call, because I'm a lawyer that I always get is, how can I sue them? I'm fielding a lot of questions about really the realities of what you can and cannot do about that. Uh, so that that's one big area. Another big area I see are businesses that want to partner with other businesses through channel um, or through affiliate relationships and really not necessarily realizing that there are certain disclosures that they have to do with that. Uh, So that's one of the areas where I I come in because that's certainly in most instances fine for businesses to do that. uh, But my role is to educate them about necessary disclosures and how to go about doing that. Uh, Well, Tanya, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio podcast. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you to our listeners who've joined us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to the podcast. The Legal Marketing Studio can be found on iTunes and on SoundCloud, and now on Google Play as well. Extended content, including photographs and links, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com. It is just legalmarketing.studio. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss or know someone who might, please send an email to producer at legalmarketing.studio or reach out via the contact page on our website, legalmarketing.studio. The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry, based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. If your firm is updating its website, 
hiring new attorneys, or revamping its brand and marketing materials, give us a call. We'd love to explore collaborative opportunities. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. (music) 